This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with two very special guests, our town manager, Patrick Banger, and our amazing mayor, Jen Daniels. And this is so awesome because the three of us recently gave a presentation to the League of Cities and Towns in Arizona, and I thought it was pretty cool when we all stood up together and talked about what we're doing in Gilbert collectively. And I don't know that there are very many cities that have a city manager and a mayor who together present very often about the things we're doing, but we've done a lot, and Patrick, in your seven years since you've been here, and obviously mayor since you've been mayor and been on council, but really one of the things we're really focusing on now is this idea of creating a moonshot goal so that a lot of the growth and you know all of the amazing amenities that we enjoy every day in Gilbert are sustainable into the future. And so I think this is a really cool concept. Again, not sure of other cities who are thinking this way. So I wanted to bring you guys together. Actually, it's Patrick's idea to say, let's get together and talk about um, you know where this idea of a moonshot comes from and how we make this a reality. Thank you, Dana. You know, it it the discussion around the moonshot actually came from the mayor in a conversation we had not long after she was elected. I congratulated on her, her on winning, and, and she said, for what? And I said, you know, you're, you're the mayor of Gilbert, Arizona, this amazing community. We've got so many aspects of our quality of life that we appreciate and value. And she said, exactly, in just about every category you look at in regards to quality of life, we're at a very high level. And there's nowhere to go but down, and I'm the mayor's going to be at the helm when that happens. Right. And, and it was it was funny, and it was also something that um, kind of, came kind of a defining moment because we've long focused on the long-term aspects of decisions we make today, but I don't know that we really brought a very clear, focused effort around how do we ensure this community that we enjoy today is the community uh, that exists 20 years from now, and that, that actually came from the mayor. Well, there's a lot of pressure, I think, especially for a new mayor to say, what am I going to do that makes a difference and that moves the needle for my community? And more than anything, I've come to realize that I'm not going to know if I'm a good mayor while I'm the mayor. I'm going to do a lot of everyday work that, frankly, people don't know is even going on. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of things that um, aren't going to get any sort of attention one way or the other, but I like to think that I'm laying the groundwork for the future of Gilbert and that someplace maybe 20, 30 years from now when five people remember that Jen Daniels was the mayor, <laughs> that they say she laid the groundwork for what we can enjoy today. And so I'm always looking way out ahead to say, are we planning for the future of Gilbert? What does build out look like? What does long-term sustainability look like? And really, what do we need to both have and be as a community in order to make sure that we're successful long into the future? So lots of dialogue will ensue and lots of um, ideas have come to the forefront. And I'm excited that as a total town team, we've now sort of set our eyes on what do we need to do and what do we need to be in order to be and continue to be a successful community. Yeah, and for those of you listening who don't know a lot about Gilbert, we are a growing community um, 
expecting possibly another 100,000 people before build-out, and we have nearly 250,000 today. And once known as the Hay Capital of the World, we were very quickly um, growing, and our roads weren't built to sustain a quarter of a million people, and so everywhere you go, you see construction projects, and people are always saying to me, oh, another road project. Well, these two-lane roads weren't you know, built for what we have, so thinking about that is really smart, but I also think the way that technology is changing so quickly, it's oftentimes hard to have used to hear about like five-year 10-year plans. And now a lot of us don't even know what's coming in six months, a year from now. And so it is really important to be thinking about that. And Patrick, one of the things that you talked about, so this process was really interesting because you're involving the entire town. We've never had an organization-wide goal before. So this is a big process that we're going through. But when you addressed the leadership teams a few weeks back, I loved what you talked about with life cycle of cities. And I never really had thought about it before. This was my first government job. And I grew up in Gilbert, love working here, giving back to the community and seeing that impact every day, but didn't really think about this notion that, you know, people leave these cities when you know they're not so shiny and new and fancy anymore and so what is it that we can do today to ensure that as we continue to add another hundred thousand people to the community and really grow up from a bedroom community to a more business focused community how do we ensure that 10 15 20 years from now our kids are being raised in a place where they don't want to leave they want to stay they want to have careers here they want to raise their families here they don't want to run to the new shiny city down the road. So I thought that was really cool when you talked about that. And I think it was one of the reasons you went into city management, this idea of a life cycle of cities, right? Yeah, thank you, Dana. If I had the answer, we could cut this podcast short. I could give it and, <laughs> and we'd be done and, and we could get on. Or we could be done. That is uh, more questions than answers right now with that. But getting back to the life cycle of cities, Gilbert's history is very similar to a lot of suburban communities around urban markets in the country that our history was rooted in agriculture, as, as many suburban communities were, and post-World War II, with the industrialization and the cost of, of living and the earning power of the American dollar, people exploded out of the traditional urban markets and took small farming communities and turned them into suburban communities without a lot of good forethought as to what we're doing, how we're doing it, how we're laying out roads, designing residential living, and how to maintain all of that for the long term. And so you're seeing now the second cycle of that when these communities start to decline and infrastructure ages that hasn't been maintained, property values drop, schools start to fail, and they've abandoned them. And you can look at a lot of mature markets around the country and see kind of an inner ring of first-tier cities that have been abandoned, so to speak. And we do it all over again. And for us um, to understand um, how we can break that cycle in Gilbert, kind of the rise and fall and rise again, if you're lucky, cycle is where that focus is on. And, and there's some core areas um, the economy, your local economy, nothing. If your business sector is doing well, your local um, community has at least a, a better chance of achieving success and, and maintaining um, a level of vibrancy and, and population continuing to move in. So focus on the economy is really important. How can we ensure that people want to invest in Gilbert? Not only today when there's still raw land to be developed, but 20 years from now, reinvest in businesses, reinvest in residential housing stock. But that reinvestment in, in the economy, the environment, and, and we are lucky that we don't have a lot of a large 
old industrial sites with uh, related pollution to them. So just making sure that we stay on top of everything that's being done to the local environment so that we don't have contamination issues and, and things that become very difficult to turn around once they manifest themselves. And then and this is probably one of the, the most challenging aspects, the social well-being of your citizens. And there's a lot of things that play into that and a lot of things that won't be within our control and why we need to have very strong partnerships with nonprofit organizations, with, with agencies that are out there, with our faith-based community, with our schools. All those things that tie into the social well-being of your residents are going to be really critical. And, and as I said, those are things that we don't have as much direct involvement with. But we'll still need to understand what our partners need from us so that they can do what needs to be done. Um, but we're excited by this. I think it's there's been a lot of focus on the large urban markets and how to create sustainability in them. I don't know there's been as much work done in the suburban markets. How a community of 250,000 is the 86th largest community in the nation right now. So we are quite large by any measurement, but we're still a suburban community and there's different dynamics that, that impact us. And so figuring that out will be our big challenge. Yeah, and I know, Mayor, you're really focused on a lot of these areas too, transportation and thinking about what that means for our future. And so, you know, this idea again for a moonshot, as many of you know, when, you know, NASA, when they decided that they wanted to put a man on the moon, this was something that their entire organization could get behind. And at that moment, it wasn't something they knew would be feasible. And so I love this idea of, like you said, Patrick, Maybe no one has thought of this, or maybe no one is, is thinking about this right now, but other cities probably should be thinking this way. And so setting some type of a goal, a long shot goal, um, to set us up for future success, I think is really interesting. And we've gotten some um, interesting feedback from employees. We started with a survey asking them, you know, what are their ideas for Gilbert's future? You know, what are the things that they see that um, they really love what things need improvement. And we've had more than 400 of our almost 1,300 employees respond uh, in a very short period of time. And I think that that's really cool. And we're really looking to kind of incorporate you know, all of their opinions and then be able collectively to have you, Mayor, um, announce this moonshot goal as part of our digital state of the town at the beginning of the year um, in January. And then the entire organization and community can get behind this to help to plan for the future. Yeah, I think this is a critical effort for us to keep our eye on the ball. The, the, the main goal of any community is to be a long-term successful community where your residents find the amenities and the um, home that they really want, where your companies actually have the workforce that they need, where there's transportation opportunities, your infrastructure is well-built and well-maintained and can last you know, long into the future. So there's so many aspects of this that are really long-lasting and it collectively takes an entire team in order to make this happen. Now, with all of this being said about Moonshot Goals, which is super important to us as a community to keep our eye on that ball, there's also the day-to-day -day stuff that we do every day that's critically important, and we can't lose sight of that. But when I think overall of what the uh, most impactful thing is in a community— Number one, if you don't have safety, you don't have anything. You have to have a safe community, and that should be the, the first goal that you have as a community. Your second one is going to be your infrastructure and maintaining and building infrastructure to last. These are things that, again, will be long talked about after I'm gone. People will, you know, value those things in our community for generations. And so it's up to us to make sure that those things stay at the forefront but also that we set our eyes on something a little bit higher. Yeah, I think growing up here, 
I never imagined I would live here in my future, that I'd have a career here. And I think I talk about that a lot. You know, it's obviously for me, I have an amazing job, but now we have companies like Deloitte who are bringing um, up to 2,500 jobs to our community. So this whole landscape is really changing. And this idea that, you know, perhaps you won't have to commute to Phoenix um, or North Scottsdale every day for work, but the jobs are going to be right here um, within our community. And I think that also changes, you know, helping us to be a more diverse, uh, well-rounded community, which I also think is so crucially important for that future. And we we saw that happen with companies like Intel coming to Chandler and these surrounding areas. But, you know, I go outside, I leave Arizona, and I talk about, you know, our community and where we're from, and people see things like our Justin Timberlake dance video or um, a voting video that we did last week. We had a resident wrote write to us um, on Twitter and say, I don't know about, I've never heard of this Gilbert, Arizona place, but it just became my second favorite city in the country. We don't know what the first one is. We're thinking maybe New York. I don't know. Um, But that is really important too. And so a lot of the the marketing work that we're doing, I feel really so passionately about because people want to be involved in their communities. They want to participate in something like a moonshot goal, but oftentimes they feel disconnected or they don't really stop to think about. I've been visiting high schools and government classes the past few weeks and talking to them about you and you know the work that you're doing and showing them your carpool karaoke and talking about the moonshot goal and asking them you know do you know who your mayor is do you know that there's a primary election coming up and it's really interesting a lot of them don't know but they want to and they want to be involved and so one of the things we always talk about is going where our residents are meeting them meeting them where they are and um Our demographics are very young. Another thing about Gilbert, if you're listening and you might not know, the average age here is 32, 33 years old. And so 80,000 of our 250,000 residents are school-aged children. Mayor, you taught me that. (laughs) Um, And so I think that that's, again, our future. And so if we're not focusing on this moonshot for those 80,000 children that are going to be growing up and trying to keep them in this community, I think that that's really important too. So what are these the things that keep you both up at night, Patrick, from your perspective, as far as, you know, the future 10, 15 years, um, obviously the day-to-day and then the future, but what, what are the things that you see, you know, coming down the pipeline that could get in the way of achieving something like a moonshot goal? Great question. There's a lot of things that get out of the way, in the way. Um, apathy, at, at whether it be in our populace or whether it be at the staff level or at the political level, but just this belief that, well, it's always going to be this way. It never. You look around, the infrastructure's new, everything is, the neighborhoods are new, the schools are new, and it won't always be this way. Everything's going to age and, and how we maintain that and the best decisions, but it's about always being a community of choice for people and businesses that people have chosen Gilbert for what they see today and they've moved here and businesses have as well and maintaining that that status as a community of choice and what are those driving decisions and, and factors that influence that as you talked about our large population of children right now and over the next 20 years and 30 years they're going to grow up and they're going to graduate from high school and they're going to leave home whether it be college, for the military, for wherever they may go. And if Gilbert is still a community of choice at that time, to continue having residents and families or whoever it may be, businesses want to continue to come to this community. Cycle after cycle after cycle will be our biggest challenge in understanding what are those driving, motivating factors influencing that. And and again, I still come back to the economy, our environment, and the social well-being of our residents will be the biggest drivers to that success but what's coming is technology it's the most disruptive time in government in my 27 years 
and whether it be autonomous vehicles and ride sharing or the internet of things or big data and data analytics and cloud computing and artificial intelligence and how that manages our, our traffic systems, there's a world of opportunity there, um, but it will be very disruptive. And so we need to understand what's coming and how to prepare this community today with maybe um, restructuring or reconfiguring the built environment we already have, as well as future planning for the yet to be developed aspects of our community to embrace this because all of these things will play into the nature of, of people and why they choose to live somewhere or what provides the most convenience for them and their family and, and this technology has real power to help us create an even better environment for them. So some challenges um, to make sure we understand it and make good decisions, but incredible opportunity to continue to enhance the quality of life to make us a continuing community of choice. Yeah, and I love the p potential partnerships that come with things like that. Waymo, I know we're a big you know, test market for them, their self-driving car project. Uh, they sponsor Spark App League, which is our coding contest for junior high and high school students. Again, creating that pipeline, future workforce, entrepreneurs, getting kids excited about coding and then thinking about having future careers here or in companies like Deloitte who are locating here. So I just love to kind of see that growth happen and, and connect those dots. And, you know, a lot of, I just came back from a conference in San Francisco and a lot of what's happening in Silicon Valley is a lot of the cities there, Palo Alto, Mountain View, San Jose, partnering with the local tech companies to get the resources they need because we're all challenged by resources. But when you can look outside your door and get creative about thinking about those potential partnerships and what they could do for your communities. I think that there's real power there, but it takes visionary leaders like you, both Patrick and Mayor, um, to make that happen. So what about you, Mayor? What are you most excited about for the coming five to 10 years? You both have, have actually touched on it. Dana, you talked about meeting people where they are and people wanting to feel connected to our community and people want to feel like they belong. It's a natural instinct. Connection is the reason we have community. It's the reason we have neighborhoods designed the way that they are. We want to encourage connectivity between people and, and between people and government. And so that's a huge piece of it. And then the data side of it. And there's an intersection between people and data that I don't think we do enough to examine what that looks like. We've got to make data-driven decisions in the town. Any municipality is going to need to do that. We've got to be able to take large amounts of data, synthesize that data, and be able to make decisions and change it and be willing to change in order to make the best decisions for the for the individuals. But it's where that intersection of people and data cross, and that's where you need the vision. And that's where you need the ideas that will say, we're gonna take these best people that wanna feel connected to their community, we're gonna take this data, and we're gonna make a decision that meets both of the needs the needs to make data-driven decisions, and the needs to meet the connectivity and connection of our residents. So it's where those two things meet. We've got to figure out where that sweet spot is, and I think therein we'll find real long-term sustainability for our community. Yeah, and one of the things that we're doing with our open data portal that no other city's doing is connecting that outward piece. So we have a persona named Alex who walks you through our open data portal, and there's stories there and, you know, real-life examples of how our data intersects. And, you know, one of the recent stories we published is about water usage over time to really show people so that they can understand, you know, not only where, you know, you don't think about every day when you flush your toilet or you run your shower where that water's coming from, but, you know, really connecting to real-life 
life problems that we have and, and, and making the, you know, using the data to make decisions and drive them. And so I'm really proud of the work we've done with What Works Cities. Michael Bloomberg is really focused in this space with cities across the country. But a lot of times these projects live in IT departments and people don't actually use them. But we have created this way for people to really connect with and use our open data portal. Again, meeting residents where they are, making it easy for them. Um, you know, people don't want to, they want to participate. They care about their communities. They want to be a part of their government, but they don't want to come to public meetings. They don't have time. They're busy living their lives. So I think it's really so crucial that we are doing things like the Moonshot Goal I thought was a great example of where we were doing a quick survey and we made it interactive and we made a video that was really cool and kind of inspirational that has been shared. And there'll be more of that to come at the digital state of the town. But getting people involved is really amazing way to kind of drive that future change. But you have to make it easy on them. You know, we can't create these bureaucratic systems or processes. And that's one of the things that I love about this and this idea of moonshot. I mean, what we've done with your digital state of the town is really powerful because instead of an annual mayoral address where you stand at a podium, we do a video address online. We have over 120,000 views on YouTube alone. So this is really powerful. And I think together we can make a much better future this way. Agreed. Anything else that you want, you want to add or that you're looking forward to in the Moonshot Goal process? Or I, I'm really looking forward, first of all, to see some of the ideas. And I'd be lying if I said everyone was super excited about this throughout the organization. <laughs> I, no, I, that's a great I point. I think people are absolutely focused on their jobs and want to make sure that they're doing the best they can within their current system. And so if you're going to launch something like this and you're going to expect everyone to just give you high fives when you walk down the hallway, you're wrong. There are going to be people who question, do we have capacity for this? Is this really something we should be focusing on? Why does this even matter? And it's really up to the leadership to share that vision and to continue to share that vision and then recognize that not every question is an objection. And I think that's a critical piece in us being leaders, any leader in any organization. Are you looking at every question as an objection or are you looking at it as an, an opportunity to actually take a deep dive and to understand really the paradigm from which the individual is asking the question and what's at the root of the question? Or if they do have an objection, where is it coming from? What's the disconnect? Why? And how can I do a better job as a leader to reach this individual to make sure that they want to be part of the team? And and so I think that that's a critical piece of this. Not everyone is going to be super excited about this. And I guarantee you all have residents that come to me and say, you guys are wasting my tax dollars. It's the nature of what we are up against in government. Just come on Facebook. You'll yeah. see those every day. Yeah. And <laughs> we have to look at them. We acknowledge them. Yeah. We look at them for what they are. And if there's a real concern or question, we want to address that in any in multiple ways and, and make sure that people have all the information available at their fingertips. Frankly, there are going to be some who refuse to do what we call at our house, get on the bus. Like they just refuse to get on the bus and they just don't see the potential and the opportunity in this. Um, those people, I, I probably won't be able to help as much, but the people who have genuine concerns or questions, I want to reach them individually. And I want to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. I want them to sense the passion that we have for the community and that there's nothing, absolutely nothing selfish about this effort. This is all about what happens for the future of Gilbert. And like I say, it's going to be long after I'm the mayor, someone else will be the mayor when, you know, maybe some of these things come to fruition. And I'm okay with that because what I see is the framework and the groundwork being laid for future success. And that to me is what matters. 
I agree. Uncertainty breeds anxiety. People like to understand what it is you're asking of them, what they need to do and what they'll need to do to be successful at that and, and not knowing what needs to be done exactly yet in detailed plans that we can then uh, implement creates anxiety in the workforce and they are working very hard and they're focused on that daily delivery of services as the mayor had alluded to. But we know what the goal is that 20 years from now or 30 years from now or 50 years from now, this is still a vibrant, successful community that people choose to live in and work in. What we don't know is just what are all those things that those those uh, projects, those plans we need to put in place that move that needle towards that direction. And we're probably going to come to a lot of forks in the road and, and choose paths and, and probably have to retreat back from that path when the data or the results of the work proves that it's not moving us in the right direction. But, you know, that's the opportunity. And as the mayor said, when people ask questions or, or they um, want to better understand or, or have feedback that maybe we need to change things up, we need to stop and listen to them so that we can make sure we're continually making those right choices. Um, but yes, there's going to be a lot of people that, that internally and externally, they're going to wonder, why are you doing this? Um, for me, it, it's simple. If we don't, we will probably fall into the same trap that many cities have, and we're not going to like what this community looks like 20 to 30 years from now. There's a quote on um, one of our employees' doors. I don't know if you guys have seen it walking around the building, but it says, if the plan doesn't work, change the plan, not the goal. And so we need to constantly be reevaluating mm -hmm. what our plans are and the direction that we're going the goal is going to be really the most important part of that. So, yeah, I think you guys, this is so, and I can say this coming from an, you know, a, an employee perspective that one of the things that really fascinated me about government in general was this whole pile on mentality, like whether it's systems that we, you know, use for payment or, um, you know, this idea that every year we ask for more resources to do more um, really was kind of mind boggling to me coming from the private sector to the public sector is that, you know, and, and a challenge that was given when I went to an event recently in Baltimore was it, imagine if you never got another dollar after today, but you had to continue to move forward, what would you do with what you have? And I think that that is such a powerful way to approach something like this because, again, if, if you look at it as another thing I have to do, another pile on onto my plate, my plate is so full. Um, we hear this a lot. We have a very lean organization. I, I believe our FTE to um, resident ratio is, is I know it's the lowest in Arizona and, and probably one of the lowest in the country. And I think that that lends itself to giving opportunities to people to do more, to think outside of the box, to get opportunities to participate and really contribute in ways that you can't in other cities. But to do this and to do more, we have to stop doing some of the things we've always done. And this for me is the way that I've always thought. This is the way I run my team. This is the way we're always thinking every day. Um, but a lot of the ways that now this organization has to be thinking, we have something called Edge Academy where we're teaching employees now how to, you know, make decisions to create easier processes. And I love this idea because, again, if you approach your work, the job you've always done or the job you've been hired to do, to me, what joy is it in creating and building something if you don't have the opportunity to try different things. And so what I always love to think is about approaching it from that mentality is, yeah, we might not be able to do a lot of the things that we've been doing in the past, but maybe instead you'll get to learn and grow and do more and work with other people, not in your silos of government. And I 
think that that when people say, oh, it's so lean, I say that's awesome because that gives us a chance to, you know, work across the organization with so many different types of people to solve problems. What is the problem that we're trying to solve? How do you get there? And it's not just I'm here, I press this button every day. Don't ask me to press that button. Um, you know, we can't be thinking like that to survive in the way the world is changing and the way technology is changing and all of that. So I just love that. And I know that that's where the vision of this organization is. And that's what makes me so happy to be a part of it. And I hope that other people listening or other cities out there can, can glean something from that because I don't think that cities will continue to be able to evolve if they don't think that way. I think you're right. I think that Resting uh, and being okay with the status quo is, is frankly, the best way to fall behind. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen it so many times across the country, and we don't want to repeat those same mistakes. It's maybe one of the advantages of being a newer community. Granted, we celebrate our 100th birthday next year, but right. one of the newer communities and that we can learn from others' mistakes and challenges, and, and we're going to take that information and we're going to go with it because we want to be better, and we want to be better every single day. There's a Daniel's Family motto, and it's fail, fail again, fail better. That means that every day we're going to get up and we're going to try something hard and we're going to do something well and we're going to do some things not so well, but we get to get up tomorrow and try again. Love it. Well, thank you both for joining me. This was Welcome. so fun. I get to work with you every day. It's a pleasure, but I love to share this with our audience because I think it is something really special that we have here in Gilbert. So I look forward to being a part of this amazing process and the Moonshot Goal and, you know, Gilbert. Gilbert's just awesome. So if you're listening and you want to move here to the, the second favorite city in the country, I don't even know what that means. Come, come and visit us. Um, and thank you so much for our listeners. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at GovGoneDigital, and we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital.